Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Today we're going to be talking about relationships and and uh, a certain aspect of relationships, but I'm just going to tell you, if you've gone to this church for any period of time, this is a topic that we, we just speak a lot about, relationships. You guys have all heard my story. In fact, you've probably heard it so many times you could tell it as your own about my, my Arkansas friend that was, was teaching me a life lesson, and he said, now, Travis, he said, if you're walking down a fence line and you see a turtle perched up on a fence post, chances are he didn't get there by himself. And so the life lesson is this, that, that we need one another, and you're probably where you are at today because somebody has helped elevate you, or you have been used to help elevate somebody to where they could not get in their, you know, on their own. And we've talked about how birds of a feather, they flock together, meaning that that people that are like-minded and doing the same things, like you don't have eagles hanging out with chickens, right? And you don't have chickens hanging out with eagles unless there's something seriously wrong. We've talked about how iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another man. And this talks about how relationships are, are important. And because I know you and you know me and we actually share life together, you know, we're going to be sharpened. Our lives are going to be better because of it. We've talked about how two are better than one. If, if, if you're walking along alone and you fall into a ditch, there's not another person to help you out of that ditch. But if you're walking with somebody and you've fallen in the ditch, you've got somebody that can help you out of that difficult place. And so we've talked a lot about relationships. Today we're going to tackle a different aspect of relationship. And the Bible verse that I want to take you to today is found in the book of John chapter 15. And we're going to be looking at verse 5 and 6. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that changes and transforms lives. God, as we dive into your word, we just ask that it would be planted, the seed of God's word would be planted in good soil and it would change us and it would grow up to be fruitful in and through our lives. Lord, we love you. We prepare our hearts to receive from you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So John 15 and verse 5 says this, and Jesus is saying, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Tell your neighbor that you're a branch. So Jesus is the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear a great deal of fruit. But apart from me, so apart from the vine, if you're disconnected from Jesus, you can do nothing. Tell your neighbor away from Jesus, you can do nothing. Thank you for those that are participating this morning. He says, if you do not remain in me... You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers away. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire. So Jesus is saying that he is the vine and we are the, the branches. And unless we are attached to him, we will not get the strength that we need to become all that we can become. And we will not get the nourishment 
that is required and that our lives will not amount to anything with eternal value because we will not, we cannot produce fruit if we are disconnected from him. I want to take it just a step further that if you're connected to the vine as other people are connected to the vine, then Jesus is going to bring your connection one to another to the forefront as well. So as you're connected to the Lord, you're also going to be connected to the other people that you're supposed to be connected with. So today, my, my, uh, the title of my message is, it's a simple title, it's Choose to, to Connect and Remain Connected. Choose to Connect and Remain Connected. Now, listen, I want to ask you a question. Um, I am what I would call myself a one-trip wonder. I wonder if we have any other one-trip wonders in the house. Well, first of all, you need to know what a one-trip wonder is. A one-trip wonder is somebody that goes to the grocery store. Maybe you shop one time a month and you go to Costco or you go to the Walmart or Smith's or wherever it is, Ridley's. I love Ridley's. Ridley's is our hometown market. Shop at Ridley's. Support your local business. So you go and you shop, right, for, you know, for, for you're doing your, your, your big shopping excursion for the month. I don't know what it's like with you, but even with only two of us in the home, like we can have bags upon bags upon bags. And I'm a one-trip wonder. For the most part, it's my responsibility to take the groceries from the vehicle to the house, now, I don't have a big house. Some of you may have a big house, but my garage, I park in my garage. Some of you that don't park in, my, in your garage, I have no idea what you're thinking, but that's another story. I park in my garage. So literally, from where I take my groceries out of my garage, out of my car, to the kitchen counter is probably 30, 35 feet. And so it would not hurt me to take more than one trip, but I've got bags lined up my arms, both arms, man. I got bags hanging out of my mouth. I just got bags, man. I'm doing it all in one trip. And then I get to, I see some other one trip wonders out there. And then I get to the door and I, I tend to have short-term memory loss because I know that I've got to go through the door and I don't have one of those fancy door handles like some of y'all do where you can just take your pinky and push down on it. Like I've got an old-fashioned doorknob where you have to grab a hold of it. You got to have enough grip to grab a hold of it and turn the doorknob and it makes it a little bit difficult if all of your hands are preoccupied and everything else is preoccupied. And so I have gotten to this place and dropped things. Now, I want to tell you about a specific time. This had nothing to do with groceries. But, but my, my vehicle, since I spend so much time in it, it literally becomes my mobile office. Anybody else like that? Your mobile office? You know what I mean? I got books upon books in my vehicle at any given time that either A, I'm reading, or people have given me, and Pastor, you need to read this book. I've got, I've got water bottles, right? Water bottles. I've got empty water bottles. I've got half full water bottles. I've got full water bottles. I'm a coffee drinker. And so every morning I drink my cup of coffee at home and then I fill up a nice big thermos, of, a Yeti thermos 
full of coffee with my favorite creamer in it, and I take it with me. And so at any given time, I could have two of those in there. I've got papers, I've got trash, I've got clutter, I just got stuff in there. And so I don't like clutter. And so every once in a while, I'll be like, man, I got to do something about this. And it's usually a last minute decision. And even with my trash, I'm a one trip wonder. And so I'm, I'm picking up books. I'm picking up 32 and a half water bottles. I'm picking up my coffee mugs. I'm, I'm picking up papers that are just kind of in my vehicle. And I'm just like, I'm taking all this stuff in. And guess what? I get to my challenging point, which is the door that goes into the house. I've got, I got stuff tucked underneath my chin. And that's easy because I got really like a double chin. It just kind of all runs together. So anyway, that's a good handy thing right there. So I got stuff tucked. And then I, I release, I release my hand enough, come on, to get my hand around the doorknob to begin to open the door and I drop something. The thing that I drop, of all the things that I could drop, I drop my cell phone. I drop the most valuable thing, the most valuable possession of all things that I've got in my hands. I drop that thing. I drop the most expensive thing. And the thing that I rely on the most is the very thing that I, that I drop. I mean, think about it. I could have purchased 5,000 water bottles and what it would cost for me to replace the one thing that I dropped. I could have easily purchased 90 books, 90 books that I've not read, 90 brand new books that I've not read with the, with the, with, with the value of the thing that I chose to drop. And I'm just telling you this, that in life, if you're not careful you're going to drop the valuable things instead of even dropping the good things. Or you're going to let go of the valuable things, the most expensive things. You know what I mean? To keep hold of the things that have no value at all. And I'm just saying that we need to be careful and cautious of this. Somebody say, praise the Lord. When I dropped my phone, it literally, this is the grace of God, the favor of God on my life. When I dropped my phone, it landed flat on the, the surface of my carpet that was on the stairs going up into my house. And it didn't damage it whatsoever. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, because that could have been a very costly mistake. Historically, I want you to know that you're not alone. That people throughout time and all history, come on, have dropped the things that are most important for the things that are least important. We're going to take a look at one of those stories today. We're going to take a look at the story of Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. This is found in Ruth chapter 1. In verse 3, and if you've got your Bibles, please go ahead and turn there now. While you're turning to this portion of the scripture, I want to give you the backstory. The backstory is this that Naomi and her family, they lived in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the actual promised land. That, that, that God had promised his people. And so, so they literally were from Bethlehem. And because of a famine, because of trouble that was in the land, they chose, somebody say it was a choice, they chose to leave God's best 
for something that was, that was not God's best. They chose to move to Moab. So there was a famine, there was trouble in the land, and so they left the promised land, and then they went to a distant land. They left for Moab. So Ruth chapter 1 and verse 3 says this, Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other Ruth. After they lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husbands. And so I want us to realize something, that life was hard for her. You know, she's in a foreign land, a place that some would argue she was never meant to go in the first place. But she's in a foreign land, and then she loses her husband. How many of you know that's a, that's a, that's a real hardship? That's a devastation. I'm sure the grief was unbearable. And so she remains you know, with her sons, and her sons make the decision, they make the choice to marry Moabite women. And then 10, year, ten years later, they die also. So here Ruth is, is in, she's in a foreign land, she doesn't have a husband, she doesn't have a son, or I'm sorry, Naomi, she, she's in a foreign land. She doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have a son. All she has is her two daughter-in-laws, which are Moabite women. And in this place, I want you to know that she made a decision. She made a choice. Somebody say a choice. She said, in this place of grief, I'm going back to Bethlehem. And so there's no question that this woman, Naomi, was grieving the loss of her family, her husband and her two sons. But I want you to know this, that if you'll dig just a little bit deeper and you'll allow, you know what I mean, yourself to rest in, the, in, the, in, the, in this area of God's word, you will find that she was also grieving something else. She was grieving a weakened relationship with her God. You see, she was in Moab where, where they, they, they served gods, they served many gods, but they didn't serve the one true living God. And she left Bethlehem where, yes, there was a shortage of food and there was a famine, but there were also, uh, a, a, you know, a great community of faith. There were, there were what was called festivals of faith where people would get together and they would encourage one another in the Lord. They would strengthen one another in the Lord. And she missed this Dearly, Come on, she was surrounded by people that were worshiping a God and many gods that she didn't believe in. See, she was a worshiper of the one true living God. And so she's grieving her family, but she's also grieving a weakened connection with God. And so here she makes the decision to go back. She says, listen, I'm going back to Bethlehem. And she leaves Ruth and Orpah their own choice to make. She leaves them with their own decision to make. She said, listen, you can stay here in Moab with your own people. You can stay here in Moab in the comfort of your own home. You can stay here in Moab where you worship, where you worship your false gods, or you can come with me, but the choice is yours. Ruth chapter one and verse 14 says this, at this at, at her speaking about leaving or, or, or staying, at this, the Bible says that they wept aloud again. Then Orva kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. So she made her decision, but Ruth clung to her. Somebody say Ruth clung to her. 
And as Ruth is clinging to, to Naomi, maybe she's even on her knees and, and has her, her arms wrapped around, you know what I mean, her ankles. And she's like, no, I'm going to stay with you. What's interesting is Naomi is telling Ruth, why don't you remain with your sister-in-law, with your people? Why don't you remain in the comfort of your own home? Why don't you remain where you're, where you're serving, come on, the gods that you are familiar with? And, um, and, and this, is, this is the response. Ruth clung to her and said, and said this. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. And this is where, this is the most popular verse in Ruth, what I'm getting ready to do. She said, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people, Naomi, will become my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And it's there that I'm going to be buried. And then she says this. She says, may the Lord deal with me ever so severely, even if death separates us. And so I want us to realize something, that these Moabite women had a choice to make. I want you to realize that you've got a choice to make. These Moabite women had a choice to make. Uh, Orpah, she said, listen, I'm going to remain. And she, and she kissed, you know what I mean, her, her mother-in-law. And, um, and she wept. And then she went back to the comfort of her own home. But Ruth clung to her and said, listen, where you go, I will go. I think it's interesting that Ruth, if you continue to read the story, she goes on to live in the great blessing of God. Why? Because she chose to remain connected. But Orpah, after this, after this weeping and this kiss goodbye, you never hear from her again. And so I'm telling you, it's easy to draw the lines which one made the right decision. So Ruth chooses to remain. Orpah decides to disconnect. And we have to ask ourselves, why in the world would she disconnect? See, we're outside of the, of the present time that they found themselves in. So we're reading about something that already happened and we're given insight as to which is the right answer and which is the wrong answer because it's already happened and we can look back historically. So before you get too angry or upset with Orpah, like what is wrong with her? Can I just tell you that we do the same? You know, our world is filled with people that disconnect when they should remain connected. It happens all the time. You know people. Maybe you are one of those people where, you know what, you're just on fire for God. You're on fire for God. You're connected. And then all of a sudden something happens and then you're telling yourself, well, I don't really even need church to, you know what I mean, to serve God. While there's an element of truth, let me just tell you that the devil is a liar and he wants to disconnect you from his best. You can do nothing if you're disconnected from the vine. And if you're connected to the vine, you're also going to be connected to other people. It's his plan. There's no way around it. You can sell it any way you want, but I'm telling you, there's no way around God's truth. And there's a better way. And so there's things that cause us to drop our connections. Number one is when we hold on to conflict, right? When bad things happen, especially in the church, people have a fight or a flight mentality. And today, I'm just telling you, I believe that more people have a flight mentality. They will not address the conflicts in a biblical fashion 
to fight for the relationship, it's easier just to pick up and to, and to move or pick up and disassociate. And, and Why? Because there's a wound. There's something that is, that is hurt. And I'm just telling you this, flight is the easy way. Fighting is the hard way. And God has called you to fight because his word is filled with what to do in the midst of conflict. And it has everything to do with not taking the easy road, but doing the hard things. It's very quiet this morning. I'm just going to trust that the Lord is ministering to all of us. And so holding on to conflict, it's interesting that, that Naomi left the promised land because of a problem. The only reason that she left the promised land because there was a problem. The only reason she left is because there was a famine in the land. And I'm just saying, listen, do not leave your promise because of a problem. Man, there is a devil that knows how to create problems all the time. And you're going to be faced with problematic people, problematic situations, problems that nobody started. They just kind of they just kind of happen. And and I'm telling you that problems are one of the greatest things. Conflict is one of the greatest things that cause people to divide. Some people dealing with wounds from years back that still you haven't allowed the Holy Spirit, the one, the one that is able to heal. He's able to get to the depths. The word of God is able to get to the point, come on, to be that healing ointment that you need. Come on, to not just put a Band-Aid over that wound that you've got, but to heal it so it's not going to rob from you any longer. Some of you right now, you may be in a current situation that it's uncomfortable, it's difficult. And so instead of, instead of doing what needs to be done, come on, you're just, you're just trying to ignore it, thinking that it's going to take care of itself, and it's not. It's, it'll never take care of itself. It requires you, come on, to manage what you're going to do with a godly mindset. Come on, with the word of God active, with a true faith, active, filled with the Holy Spirit. What are you going to do? Are you going to run or are you going to fight for what needs to be fought for? When we hold on to conflict, it always messes up our connection. The truth is there could be people in the service today or even online that you you come in here mad. You come in here upset. You come in here angry. And it's keeping you from a receiving what it is that God has for you. And also it's keeping you from giving what it is that God wants to do through you to somebody else. I'm telling you what, that conflict unresolved always leads to a critical spirit. And I'm telling you what, of all the spirits that you could have, even some demonic spirits, a critical spirit is one of the worst spirits that you can have because you, you think that you're in God's grace. You think that you're walking in God's step because you, you believe in him, but yet you believe in him and you love him and you trust him, but you don't believe in him enough to activate faith in the spirit of God in your life to get you through present situations or past hurts. And so what it is, is you're locked into a limitation thinking that you're where you're supposed to be, but you're just not where you're supposed to be. Critical spirit. Somebody with a critical spirit is always going to find out some reason to disconnect. They come into church not looking for what it is that God can give them, but they come into church looking for all the things that they don't agree with. 
And let me just tell you, if you're looking for something, you will always find it because the devil will make sure that you find it. And it will cause you, come on, to separate from God's best for your life. Number two is this, we can hold on to comfort. See, Ruth had a choice. She, Naomi even told her, listen, you know, stay with your sister-in-law. Stay where it's comfortable or or you can come with me where it's going to be difficult. Because now what you got to realize is that Ruth is now going to a foreign land. Ruth is going to a place where it's very possible that the people that are there are going to cast judgment upon her because she's a Moabite woman. She doesn't belong in a lot of people's minds. She doesn't belong in the promised land. And so this is a difficult decision. She is, she is leaving what is comfortable and easy to, to remain connected to Naomi and going to a foreign land herself, a better land. Somebody say a better land. So Ruth chooses her connection over her comfort. And I'm just telling you this, that if you're going to choose connection, oftentimes it's going to come at the sacrifice of your comfort. When God called you, he didn't say there's nothing about the calling of God on your life where God said, listen, this is going to be the easy road. But yet people feel like it should be the easy road. In fact, God's saying, listen, this may cost you everything, but it's still the right thing. Right? It may cost you everything, but it's still the right thing. Your comfort will always be in competition with your calling, with your connections. Fulfilling your calling is never promised to be easy. I've had my name, I'm telling you this, drugged through the mud. I've had people tell me things that I've said in service that I've never said. I've had people say in this community that that Travis, he will just marry anybody that wants to be married. I've had people say, that guy doesn't stand for anything. He preaches a watered-down message. I've had people that have disconnected from me. I've had people that have abandoned me because I made the decision to stand with somebody that, is, that has been in their sin but willing, come on, to be, to be reconciled. I have restored people to do ministry back on the stage, up in front of people. And people are going to say, man, that pastor's going to, all he cares about is the talent that they can bring. Do you know what it is that they did? And I've chosen to stand and walk with people through dark days in the hope that they would be reconciled and are reconciled to Jesus. There have been people that have left this church because of that. I'm telling you this, it would be easy for me never to preach against homosexuality. It would be easy for me to never preach against people that are heterosexuals that are acting like they're married, but they're not married. It would be easy for me not to touch base on some of the issues that our culture is embracing today and just kind of just fly under the radar and say, well, maybe God can figure that out. Not to take a stand for any, that would be the easy way. And guess what? What? We would have more people that are coming to this church if I would take those steps. But guess, guess what? I am accountable for what it is that I do, just like you are accountable for what it is that you do. And I'm telling you that staying connected and remaining connected to the truth is not always popular. And there will be people that will abandon you. But guess what? Even though I've gone through all these hardships, I would not do anything differently. 
It has been a good life. And, and, and I wouldn't change anything because hopefully whenever we get to the end, Mr. Ford, we will hear, well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. Wow. Well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. Be careful of the comforts that you're not willing to let go of. See, holding on to clutter is the next thing, the third thing. We got we to gotta choose to let go of the clutter. And then when we hang on to the clutter, it messes with our connections. Clutter is the unnecessary, the untidy things in life. Life is filled with clutter. The truth is, is if I pick up my truck a little bit more often, I wouldn't even be found in the situation where I've got to take armfuls in as a one-trip wonder into the house and deposit them into the, most of the stuff into the garbage. Clutter prevents you from holding on to the best things. Like I said, those empty water bottles and those books. Come on, I was holding on to those things, not protecting my phone. Culture is the culprit. I want you to know that culture is the thing that continues to feed you. You know what? You should do this. You know what? Hold on to this. You know what? You should go there. You should. Culture is always screaming more, 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 more. But guess what? Just because culture is saying more, it doesn't mean that we have to respond and to receive what it is that culture is saying that we should grab hold of. We, ought, we hold on to things that soothe but do not save. We hold on to things that entertain but don't empower. We hold on to things that sound good but stunt our growth. We hold on to things that keep us busy. We hold on to things that keep us busy. We hold on to things that keep us busy, but, we, but, but in, 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 in the long run, it causes us to walk blind. Prayer has dwindled. Attendance has dropped. Evangelism, personal responsibility for sharing the gospel has declined. We have, we have simplified our relationship with God in many homes to praying for the food before we eat dinner. That's as much God as we bring as we bring into our homes at times. Some of the strongest of Christians is, is some of the people that some of the most faithful people that come into the house of the Lord on a regular basis. Don't don't spend time in personal Bible study. Don't spend time in personal in personal worship. Right? Clutter messes up our connection with God and with God's people. We've got things like travel ball and travel ball is good. AAU, man, God bless it. We've got things like rodeo. We've got things like, don't you know, pastor, this is the only day that I, that I have off, uh, you know, out, out, of the, out of the whole week. We've got things like camping, hunting and fishing, which is wonderful. It's excellent. We, let me just dote on, on, on Sean just, just real quick. I met somebody. Sean, stand up just real quick. You and your lovely wife. I want you guys to, Sean and Michelle Ford, everybody. Let me just keep standing, keep standing, keep standing. I met, I met somebody. Um, we did a, a leadership outing with the Chamber of Commerce, Penny Maine. Thank you so much. I met a gal that manages Impact Athletic. And she said, oh, Sean and Michelle... They are some of our dearest of friends. 
And I said, man, yeah, these two are, these two are faithful. I can't believe they live. Uh, it's, you guys live in Kimberly, right? They live all the way out in Kimberly. And, um, and they, drive into, they drive into Grace Church. It'd be easier to find some place closer. But this is where you're called to be right now. And I said, man, they are faithful. And she said, because I think it's her son plays with your son on traveling teams. This is how Sean and Michelle, whenever they're out of town and it's a Saturday and most people are sticking over to Sunday, their example is this. We got to get back home because we got church in the morning. They could be far away, but it's time to go back home. And so I want you to know how, how happy and, and, and just proud I was of, of just you, your guys' commitment in no matter where you're at and what you're doing, listen, when it's time for church, we're going to be in church. And so thank you for your faithfulness. I really, really appreciate that. I've got excuses like gas prices are too high or I just can't wake up in time. Listen, all of these are valid excuses, but I want you to realize this. Do not sacrifice the good, the good things that are going on in your life for the great things. Don't drop your connections. Some people will say, well, I'm not hearing from God like I used to. I would say, check your connections. Some people would say, my marriage isn't what it used to be. It's really struggling. And I would say, check your connections. I just don't feel the joy of the Lord like I used to. And I would say, check your connections. Because I feel like at the heart of a lot of the issues, not all issues, but at the heart of the issues that we find ourselves going through, it has everything to do with the connections that we have with God and his people. Naomi realized that she had dropped her connection. And so what did she do? She went back. And this is prophetic for some of you. Some of you, if you're not happy with where you are, you must do like Naomi did. And that is to go back to where you were called to be in the first place. Go back to doing the things that you were called to be doing in the first place. This may not be a physical location but maybe it's a mental priority. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a commitment that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Maybe it's a commitment that I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? You got to go back to the things that you were committed to in your, in your, in your past. So three things that we must choose, choose to connect to God's presence. James chapter four and verse eight, come near to God and he'll come near to you. He'll draw near to you. Ruth said, your God will be my God. So she trusts what Naomi had already known. She trusted Naomi. And so if this was going to be the best thing for Naomi, then it's going to be good enough for me. And she said, where you go, I will go. And where you die, I will die. Your people will be my people. So why do we do what we do here at Grace? So that you can connect to the presence of God. We just heard testimonies of this women's retreat. We've got men's things that we do for the same reason. We've got an incredible youth group that, that, is, that is really developing vibrant, thriving young people in this community. We're raising up leaders of the church right here and right now. Why? So that they can connect to God's presence. Why do we do and spend so much money every year on one of the most incredible VBSs that I've ever been a part of? Because we trust, we trust that God is going to be present and these kids are going to experience that. Why do we go on missions trips so that we can be in the presence and active in his presence doing his work? 
Why do we do everything that we do? Come on, so that we can grow in the Lord and, and experience the presence of God. Because just like Pastor Hobby was saying, miracles happen in the presence of God. Come on, chains are broken off. We had incredible prayer this morning. I know for a fact that there were some things done in the spiritual realm that are going to show up in the natural realm at some time in the future if it's not already happened right now. Why? Because of the presence of God. Right? And so, and so why is it important that you're here? Because where two or more are gathered together in his name, he is there here too. And this is why we just want to talk just real quick. I love online church. Absolutely incredible. Man, so many great things come back to us. But listen, there's something better. If you can be here, get here. And if you're, if, you're, if you're not connected to the people, make the decision to make that connection going forward. And it's also important that you're ready when you come. How many of you know that you can be here but not be present? You can be here. It's like, man, I just haven't been there a long time. Got to show up. You're thinking about all the issues, all the problems, all the things that are going. Be ready when you come. Commit to connection. All right, number two is this. Oh, let me just say this just real quick, too. Your children should not be in control. This is just free, extra. Your kids should not be in control. I shared with you, I shared with you a couple of weeks ago how my parents never once did I hear mom say, hey, Travis, what do you want for dinner tonight? I, I, like, I never, I never... I never, I never received that. That was a decision that was made between my parents. And we better be lucky and, and appreciative of whatever it was that was served. Now listen, I can understand doing things a little bit different maybe than how you were raised. But let me just tell you, the greatest gift that you can give your kids is for them to see your commitment and devotion to God. You can talk about things all day long, but they are watching what it is that you do, and what you do speaks mar far louder than what it is that you say. And so, and so just, I'm just telling you this, your kids should not rule your home. If your kids are ruling your home, you are out of order, and God is not pleased with it. You are to train up a child in the ways of the Lord. You're to do the hard thing. It's easy for them just to run amok and hope that they don't die or get in some serious trouble. It's hard for you to go against the grain and, and, and have, to, have to draw some lines and some boundaries and say, listen, this isn't how we're doing things. I don't care what your friends do. I don't care what their friends do. This is how we're going to do things in our house. You don't have to be mean, you don't have to be, but you have to be clear and you have to be consistent. Like you can't say how important the house of the Lord is and how important God is, but you're the one that gives an excuse week after week after week after week as to why you shouldn't be doing the things or, or something else is more important. And I'm not saying that sometimes things don't pop up, but, but you understand what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying? We're a smart people here. And so number two is connect to God's people. Matthew 18 and verse 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them also. So Jesus is saying, listen, you're joining up. I want to join in too. But you make the first step. He says where two or more make the decision, then I'll come. He doesn't say like I'm everywhere and, you know, God is omnipresent. But this is talking about when two or more are gathered, then I'm in that place. 
And so you got to make the commitment devotion. This is all what I think. If God's committed to being here, then shouldn't we be? Right? If God's committed, shouldn't we be? So Ruth goes with Naomi to Bethlehem. I'm going to fast forward the story because the time she marries Boaz, they become the great grandparents of David. This lineage of David is where God gives the promise through. I mean, not only do they build the temple, not only do they create them to be one, you know, one person, you know, one people through the promise, but the Messiah, the promise Jesus Christ comes through the lineage of David. And so this is my question, my fast forwarded question. Could it be that your greatest blessing lies within your connections? See, Ruth never knew. She never knew that God was going to use her in such a mag magnificent way. All she was doing was fighting for the connections. And because of the connections, through her lineage came this tremendous promise of Jesus Christ. See, you may not know what fighting for your connections are going to do in your future, but you just need to do what is right and what the Holy Spirit is drawing you to do, and then the greater things are going to happen in and through your obedience. And I also want to say this, don't misunderstand me that you can be connected with the service, but not connected with God's people. Like you can come every, you can come more than most people to a service, but you can be what I would call a lobby lizard or a little sneaky snake where you come in, in the service at the third song and then you leave the service before the last amen is said. We call them lobby lizards and sneaky snakes, right? You're connected to the service, but you don't want anything to do with the people, can I just tell you this, that if that is you, you could call it whatever, you know what, I'm not a people person, I'm not this or that, but once again, God saved you so that you can be salt and light in the world. And the greatest ministry in, in any given church Sunday or Wednesday or any other time, the greatest ministry that might take place is you, Steve, ministering to somebody else before or after the service. You understand what I'm saying? Like, we got to be here, but we also have to be available. And we got to walk in the spirit. And, and God, will, God will use that. So say, no more sneaky snakes. No more lobby lizards. I know it's uncomfortable, but God didn't say that this walk was going to be comfortable. It's not easy. In fact, one person told me a long time ago, I think it was Scott Jones, literally he told me a long time ago, Travis, in life, whenever you're given the option to take the elevator or to take the stairs, he said, always take the stairs. And my wife and I, you can ask her anytime that we're out of town, and I don't know why, but we're always put on the fourth or the sixth floor, like the highest one. And I'm telling you, neither one of us will take the, will take the elevator. We always take the stairs. You know why? Because there are things in life that are learned when you go the hard way that will never be learned when you go the easy way. So I'm telling you, that's prophetic. There's something powerful in that. And I'm telling you, when you're given the option in life, the easy way or the hard way, always take the hard way. Because God's got something for you. Number three, and this is our last one, connect to God's power. I'm going to hit this just real quick because I ain't got time. I'm already five minutes over. But there are so many counterfeits in the world. And guess what? These counterfeits to God's power is on the rise and the increase. 
Let me tell you how the devil uses counterfeits. He takes a little element of truth and then he commingles it with a lot of lies or worldviews. And so this is called, if you'll study it out, doctrines of men. You take the good of God's word and his truth and you commingle it with culture. And I'm telling you what, if there's anything out there that, that, that requires more than Jesus Christ and him crucified, run from it. Because it is on the rise and you're going to see strange things and people are going to be attaching the name of the Lord to it. You got to get away from that stuff. Do not involve yourself in, in, in witchcraft that, look, that sounds right. In spiritualism that, you know what, is kind of interesting and intriguing. I'm telling you, all you need is Jesus Christ and him crucified and the Holy Spirit and God's word in your life. And he can get you through everything. God's power is realized and released more when we pray. And it's interesting. These things are, are, are becoming more and more difficult to do. Take the stairs and do these things. When we pray, call a prayer meeting, see how many people show up. This is, this is a great litmus test of where the church is spiritually. When we're called to a prayer meeting... How, what is the percentage of the people that will show up? By not showing up, they're saying that that is not valuable enough for me to go to. There's more important things. When we fast, oh my gosh, that's, the, that's definitely the stairs. That's not the elevator, right? But fasting will, will, will break off strongholds and, 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 and allow you to walk in the power and the presence of God unlike most things. Reading the word. I ain't got time for that. I don't understand it. You know what I mean? I read it and, and it doesn't make sense. It, it's, taken the, it's taken the stairs instead of the other. Keep reading it until it does make sense. Right? Worship. Some of, you, some of us, it's like that's easy to do. But you don't have to wait until Sunday morning to do that. You can create environment and a space and a place in your own home. Come on, you can worship everywhere you go. I love this. This is in the form of a prayer. I don't know if you knew this, but, but Ruth says to Naomi, I believe this is in the form of a prayer because she says she's addressing the Lord. May the Lord deal with me ever so severely if even death separates us. I want to bring something out just real quick. I ain't got much time. Matt's already mad. His fingers are hurting. He's been playing. He's been playing so long. I almost asked your permission to even come out here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poke my head through the curtain. Yeah. Guys, you know what this is. Not who this is. You know what this is? It's a punching bag. We call it a bop bag. How many of you had a bop bag when you were a kid? I don't know about you, man, but, but I was like into kung fu and ninja stuff. And I was like, I was like you know what? I'm going to one day get big enough and strong enough and fast enough that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to punch a hole in that bag. That would kick. I would, I would start... I would start addressing it, and I would just do a roundhouse. Give it up for the roundhouse. 
What's that? I pulled a muscle. Is that what you said? But one thing about a bop bag is it doesn't matter how hard you hit it. It always comes back. And I realized as I was a little bit older that there's something about these. There's a weight on the inside. There's a weight on the inside. I put water as a weight on the inside of this this morning. You can put sand as a weight on the inside. And it's the water, it's the sand, it's the weight, it's the strength on the inside that no matter how hard you hit it, it always comes back. And so in life, you need to know that you're being hit by every direction. You like this kung fu chop. Woo! You're hitting, hit by every direction. But the cool thing is, is because of what is on the inside, it causes you to bounce back. And I'm just telling you, what I'm talking about is not some nonsense, you know, spiritual uh, awareness, you know what I mean? Not enlightenment. What I'm talking about is surrendering your life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It is coming to the cross of Jesus Christ and repenting of your sins and asking Jesus to forgive you. And not just to forgive you so that you don't have to deal with sin anymore, but to surrender your life and say, God, I want you to come into my life. My life is no longer my own, but it belongs to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me. Come on, put some strength and some weight on my base that no matter what in the world I go through in you, I will always bounce back. And I'm just telling you this, that there's nothing else that will do this for you. Like it might encourage you for a moment, but when the real power is needed, you're going to find that you have put your trust in empty promises, just like the Moabites were doing in serving all of these false gods that could not do anything for them. The best decision that Ruth made was saying, where you go, Naomi, I will go. And your God will be my God and your people will be my people. And where you're buried and where you die, I will also be buried and I will die. That was a commitment and a devotion. And I'm just saying this, that unless you've made that, unless you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, unless you've made that connection, unless you've yielded to him being the shock collar of your life, that's for the people that have been in prison or jail. He is, he is the one that is, that is in control of your life. Then you're just going to be wandering. And when you get knocked down, you won't bounce back up. And the truth is, come back up. <laughs> Don't mess with me down there. The truth is, is that sometimes even believers and Christians can be here and they're, they're going to be like, yeah, you know what, Travis? That's a real fancy illustration, but I do. I love God. I trust God. And I, and I, and I, and I believe I received, I was baptized, but man, I've been hit so many times. And so, so frequently I haven't bounced back up. And if I'm coming back up, I don't feel it. And I would just say this, if that's you check your connection, go back to some of the last things that, that he has spoken to you about, because you may be misled you may be in denial you may be confused 
And I'm just telling you this, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives and dwells in me, then I don't care how hard you've been knocked down. It's that spirit that is going to lift you up once again. It's the spirit of the living God that's going to lift you up again. So this is my question. If you don't know who I'm talking about or if you, you've not experienced what it is that I've shared and you're just like, listen, I need to receive Jesus and ask him to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. Just real quick, I just need you to raise your hand because I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray with you right here in the back. Awesome. Anybody else? Anybody need to receive the Lord right here in the back? Awesome. Anybody else? Come on, church. Let's like, do you know all heaven celebrates? When one person comes to this crossroad and makes this decision, is there anybody else right here? Thank you so much. I love that. Absolutely love that. She's like, I know it's scary. You're just like, okay, that's good enough for me. Hey, I'm telling you, I know exactly what you're feeling. You know, I went to a church when I was young and everybody like raised their hands. They were worshiping. And I was like, I really want to raise my hands, but but I don't know what anybody's going to think about me. Everybody in the whole church is raising their hands and I'm worried about what I'm telling you what your decision being out loud, like you just made it. God sees it and he is pleased with you. Amen. I love that. Absolutely love that. So let's stand to our feet. Let's pray together. Guys, this is what we're going to do. Like, like just saying a bunch of words doesn't do anything, but when you make it personal, it does everything. This is the prayer that you need to just pray to yourself. God, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. My life belongs to you. That's it. I prayed a prayer that wasn't even that fancy. Drunk in jail once. And it led me to where I am today. Led me where I am today. Amen. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the cross where you died so that we can live. God, we ask you to forgive us of our sins right now. I ask you, Lord, to come into my life and not just save me, but be the Lord of my life. Direct my steps, God. You know that I don't do good without you. Things are pretty destructive without you. So don't just forgive me of my sins, but fill me with your spirit. Help me, God, to, to live a life that you've called me to live and help me to live a life that's pleasing to you and in service to other people. God, I pray that my life would be used and it would just glorify your name. If it's possible, Lord, to put a smile on your face, I just pray that our lives would do just that. And I ask you, Lord, um, just to do something special amongst all of us here today. Life can be difficult. I've walked with many people that have been hit so hard that they, they were never able to rebound. And I'm just asking, Lord, that, that you would just let us all know that there's always a way out. There's always a way. There's always an open door. As difficult, we feel like, man, I, I, maybe there are even those here today or online that they're contemplating just ending their life. Let me be clear. This is not God's plan for your life. And it does, it never pleases the Lord when somebody takes their life prematurely. Lord, I pray that faith would rise up for those that are struggling. Faith would rise up for those that are wounded and hurting. God, I have compassion for, 
for these people that feel like there's no better solution. But I'm telling you that that's a lie, that God loves you so much and he has not forsaken you and he will give you a way out. God, we receive you and your gift of salvation, your gift of relationship. We receive it. And Lord, we just ask also that as we are connected to you right now, help us to fight for these connections. Connections with you, connections with one another. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.